Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. It was a humid summer in northern Michigan in 1994. As I wiped the sweat from my forehead, a nearly meaningless task as it would just accumulate a pool of sweat again within seconds, I walked along the crunchy field to the sound of an old tractor that dictated my pace. I can still smell the freshly cut hay as I think back to those few summers when I was enlisted to help bale hay for my extended family. It seemed never-ending. Bale after bale after bale of hay we would grab, lift up to the trailer bed the tractor was towing, and place it on the stack all while the tractor just kept moving forward. If the tractor had to stop for every bale, we might not finish the section we needed to by sundown. So we continued on, to the gentle rhythm of the old tractor. Sure, we might have started by talking to each other, but soon we realized that talking and surviving, they were mutually exclusive. Like an untrained runner trying to carry on a conversation while trotting along, it just doesn't work once the adrenaline wears off. No, there comes a point when you bail hay, when everyone just falls into a rhythm, focusing completely on the work at hand. It's actually quite peaceful. It's the type of work that you become so focused on that you forget about eating or other basic necessities. That's why, at the appropriate time, it wouldn't be surprising to see a family member pull up with sandwiches or lemonade or other types of sustenance to keep the team going, especially in the hot, humid sun. When you do this type of work, there's an understanding among those who are back home. You keep on focusing on the work, and we'll focus on keeping you fueled up to do that work. Did you know that God wants us to build His kingdom with the same mindset? He wants us to focus on the work He has put before us. He wants us to sweat over the harvest. But He wants us to harvest men, not bales of hay. He even tells us that if we focus on the harvest, He will provide for our every need. Don't stop, He says. Keep going, and I will show up with whatever you need while you do my work. How can I be so confident that God has said this? Because I read it in our Gospels reading today. Our passage in Luke 12, 22-34 starts with Jesus saying to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you. You see, what he's about to say is in light of the story of the rich fool. Remember when the rich fool said, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? This foolish man was driven to foolish behavior because he was anxiously worrying about the future. So Jesus continues, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Hmm. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Didn't the rich fool just build a bigger barn to act as a storehouse? This exhortation from Christ isn't just a one-off comment on trusting the Lord, but rather it is a lesson on how not trusting the Lord is incredibly foolish. And why does Christ use birds as an example of God's faithful provision? He goes on to say, Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, Why are you anxious about the rest? You and I are a special part of God's creation. We are image bearers of the Lord, and we have souls which will exist for eternity. And if we are in Christ, we are children of God, the Bible says. Being anxious about provision is a perspective problem, not a circumstance problem. 
Jesus goes on to compare our need for clothing in the same way, comparing us to lilies of the field. And then Jesus says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. How kind is God to tell us what to focus on? I mean, when you're hungry, how hard is it to focus on not being hungry? Almost impossible. In God's kindness, he gives us something to focus on to take our mind off of our real needs. Instead, he says, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Keep bailing hay. I will take care of your needs. Why is it so easy to believe that our family will show up with sandwiches and lemonade while we bale hay in the sun, but we have such a hard time believing God that he will deliver on this promise in Luke? I believe it comes down to knowing God. We must grow in our relationship with God through reading the Bible and praying to him, asking him for our needs. And when we see him deliver on his promises over and over again, we will trust him to be more faithful than our own family. And we must also trust how important the work is that we're doing. We aren't bailing hay for the winter. We are harvesting souls for eternity. Our passage continues saying, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The kingdom work that God is calling you and I to will pay off for eternity. Do you believe that? To the level that you believe this truth is the level that you will keep your hand to the plow until Christ comes back, trusting that he will provide for your every need. A barn full of hay can burn or it can grow mold, but our proverbial barns in heaven will never burn, never grow mold or never be destroyed. Perhaps today's reading is a good reminder that as a child of God, we've been given a mission. And God wants us to be so focused on that mission that we don't have time to even worry about the provision of our daily needs. Let's keep our hands to the plow, harvesting souls, aka making disciples, and trust that the Lord will bring us that sandwich and lemonade when it's time to eat. And oh, what a joy it will be when we are with him in heaven to see the fruit of our labor, treasures in heaven stored up. There's no greater investment. Today in our Old Testament reading in Esther 4-6, through 6, we see the ultimate trust in the Lord put to the test. Esther is going to be asked to trust the Lord with her greatest need, her life. Yesterday we learned that letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children. Today we pick up with Mordecai learning of this plot drawn up by Haman. In Mordecai's distress, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, it says, and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. Now when Esther learns of this, she is distressed. Her and Mordecai write back and forth a few times, but finally Mordecai challenges Esther to use her position with the king to save all the Jews. He says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So in God's providence, he uses Esther to gain favor with the king, and she asks him to throw a party. Meanwhile, Haman is preparing gallows, and these are mega gallows, big gallows, to make the point that Haman really wants Mordecai dead. This will turn out to be a really ironic situation for Haman, as we will see tomorrow. Then, as Cody pointed out yesterday, God, although he is not mentioned, is sovereignly working to see his will accomplished. 
And this time he causes the king to be restless, so he gets up and asks for the book of memorable deeds. He reads about Mordecai in this book, and upon finding out that nothing has been done for Mordecai since he saved the king's life, the king wants to honor him. So the king asks Haman, what should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thinks the king is talking about himself, so he responds with the most honorable things that he can think of. If Haman knew that the king was talking about Mordecai, he would have never offered such good suggestions. Now this is where I want us to pause for a moment. What do you think Mordecai was doing at this very moment? Did he have any clue that he was about to be honored? No. He probably thought that he was going to be killed. He was waiting for the king's decree to come true, for him and all of his Jewish people to be killed. Now, the next time you find yourself in a situation where there is seemingly no escape from pain, from despair, from danger, from heartache, I want you to remember that you serve the same God that worked all of this out for Mordecai and eventually his people, as we'll see tomorrow. It won't always look the same, and things won't always work out exactly the way that we desire, but God is always working. And nothing is over until God says it is over. May this increase our prayer life, and may this increase our view of God. Last night, one of my children couldn't sleep because they were afraid for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We talked to them about how God is in control, even when it seems like an evil group like the Taliban are in control. We prayed for God to be glorified and for him to protect our brothers and sisters. But even more, we were all reminded as we sat there and had this discussion that we should not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And that's from Matthew 10, 28. Even if God does allow his people to be martyred, those who kill them can never touch the soul of a Christian. That belongs to the Lord. We do not have the power to change our circumstances, but God has given us the ability to change our perspective. When things seem dire, remember that we are playing a game that we cannot lose. The outcome is set. The God we serve is in control, no matter what happens. One way or another, God always provides. And one of the ways that God provides is through his body. Today in our New Testament reading in 1 Thessalonians 3, we see Timothy as a provision from God for Paul to remain connected to the Thessalonians. And here we see Timothy go to the Thessalonians and return with a report of their faith. You see, Paul was waiting in distress, waiting for Timothy's report about the Thessalonians. And when Timothy returns to tell of the faith that the church has, it encourages and energizes Paul. God uses the faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us. I mean, think about it. How encouraging is it when a fellow believer is calm, peaceful, and steadfast during a trial because of their faith in God? Now I want to turn and talk directly to you. Don't underestimate the power of your faith on display. When you trust the Lord, that he is working in your life, like we read about in the book of Esther, then it encourages the believers around you and glorifies God. When we freak out in trials, it puts the focus on us. When we stand steadfast in trials, it puts the focus on God. But when tensions do arise and we face real threats to our comfort or even our life, like our fellow believers in Afghanistan, how do we remain steadfast and not be overrun with anxiety? You may be anxious over losing your job due to convictions of the conscience and not even thinking about being killed for your faith right now. And that alone is causing anxiety in your life right now. How do you remain peaceful and therefore encourage the saints who are watching you walk through it? To answer that, let's end our time today with the end of Psalm 97. The last two verses say this, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Now remember all the way back to our Gospels reading in Luke. 
Remember in verse 22, when Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Anxiety is a struggle for many people, and perhaps you're feeling the temptation to be anxious today. Maybe you're anxious about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Maybe you're anxious about the mounting pressure of our own political climate. Maybe you're anxious about things shutting down again. I want to encourage you in light of the last verse in Psalm 97, specifically two phrases, rejoice and give thanks. This makes me think of Philippians 4 verses 4 through 7. Listen to this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God gives us the antidote to anxiety. Thankfulness. The antidote to anxiety is thankfulness. I encourage you to spend some time in prayer today, specifically thanking the Lord for all he has provided in your life. You might surprise yourself with how long the list actually is. And my prayer for you is that as you continue thanking God through prayer, you will begin to experience the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And then that peace, you know what it will do? It will guard your heart and mind. Start there and then Put on your work gloves and get out into the field. There's nothing more peaceful than being completely lost in the work of the Lord, so consumed with his kingdom that you forget about your own needs. As a good father, he will provide that proverbial sandwich and lemonade right when you need it. Trust him, get to work, and don't look back. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today and Revival from the Bible. Ben Blakey will be back on August 25th. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.